out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps, and the players bump, and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Second period. All right, welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline, brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. Justin Chuck behind the controls today. Just sent a text over to Chris the Moose Johnson and see how he's doing. Probably sleeping. That's a major surgery when you go to the dentist and you have, when they're yanking things out, ugh, no thank you. I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us from the Brian Blessing Studio. Brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. We have a packed second hour. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about NHL free agency, which uh, it just has completely turned the whole league uh, upside down. And teams that had no thought about making a postseason last year, like Ottawa, made some moves. Maybe they get closer. I don't know if if I don't. I mean, from a Vegas Golden Knights standpoint, I th- I don't know if they've. I think they're still where they were to begin the day. Yeah, I know they lost Pacioretty. I think they still have enough firepower. And to me, this was this was going to be the only move. This is the move that made sense. The stop living, although they still are, in the world of LTIR. And getting rid of Pacioretty, who is has been injured. Got a, uh, he's got term left on his deal, so it makes him attractive. And he's an older player. And he went to sign Riley Smith. And that's exactly what they did. And, and so I'm not, I'm not one of these guys that are going to bash them for, for this move at all. Uh, it is interesting, and we'll talk to Chuck Esposito about this a little bit later, about the Chicago Blackhawks. It's interesting now to see where they're going to go and where specifically where Patrick Kane is going to go because – you got two things going on here. If Kane decides that he wants to leave Chicago and demands a trade, the Blackhawks are not in a position where they're going to get full value because no matter who they negotiate with, every team will know you're looking to unload this guy. We don't have to give you everything. Now, the flip side of that is, Okay, you don't want to do it right now. We know these guys are going to be, both Kane and Taves are going to be available at the trade deadline, which means you don't have to pay them the full full price. I think that's a likely option for Chicago. Interesting to see where the Western Conference is going to go. Uh, let's start off by talking about the aftermath of free agency. Let's bring in Flames radio host and host of Flames Talk on Sportsnet 960. Pat Steinberg rejoins the show and. Uh, Pat, uh, welcome back. And and okay, so the Johnny Goudreau saga is over. Where do the Flames go from here? What is the feeling amongst the fan base? And of course, there was some talk today about Nazem Kadri. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a busy seventy two hours or so out here. Um, I think the uh, I think the Johnny Goudreau news is is still pretty heavy. 
um, when it comes to Flames fans. Like, it's a pretty significant, uh, pretty significant piece of news. Like, for a player to come off the season that he just had, which I think you can make a very strong argument is the greatest individual season a Flames player has ever had um, in in the 50-year history of the organization in Calgary and Atlanta. Um, and to have that player then walk in unrestricted free agency, like, it's a significant deal. And, and for it to go down as close to the wire as it did, and for him to be that close to re-signing, and then decide to go to the place that he decided to go to. And, and that's not a shot at the city of Columbus at all. It's more just the reality. everybody was talking. One, it was, it was more the people were talking about Philadelphia, New Jersey, and the New York Islanders because those teams are all very close to where Johnny uh, grew up and, and where Johnny's from and where his wife's from. And there was a lot of talk about how you know, that, that was really important. Now, Columbus is still a whole lot closer to Johnny's uh, hometown of Philadelphia than Calgary is, without question. Um, but it was, just, it, was, it was surprising. And then to factor in how much money he left on the table. Like, I, the, the Flames were offering $84 million. $84 million over eight years was on the table, or a $10.5 million cap hit. I believe they were willing to go higher. I believe uh, they they would have pushed it to eleven if they if, if it would have meant getting it done. But uh, when it was all said and done, Johnny and and his family decided to go elsewhere. So you know it's it's weird because there's all these mixed emotions out here. There's anger at at Johnny for doing that. There's a certain section of Flames fans who are calling him a traitor or what whatever the what, however you want to phrase it. Yes. There's there's that group of fans. There's the group of fans who are just sad that, you know, the best player on the team has walked for nothing. There's fans who are mad at the general manager for not being able to get this done or for allowing him to walk for nothing. Or And, and then there's uh, the group of fans who are like, okay, I'm a Flames fan, this sucks, but what comes next and what are they going to do to try to fix this problem or try to fill this hole? And that's where the Nazem Kadri news comes in and, I was told yesterday that yes, the Flames are uh, were, were interested in Nazem Kadri and did indeed offer a contract or or put a pitch on the table. But yesterday on Thursday, I was told that uh, the Flames were an unlikely destination for Nazem. Now that's not to say that things can change. And who knows how the rest of things play out? And um, you know, the, the, those things can always turn on a dime on the snap of a finger, but that was what the word was on Thursday, that an, uh, it was an unlikely destination. So we wait to see where Kadri goes. I'm not anticipating him siding in Calgary, but I always leave that door open because all of a sudden you don't get the type of number that you thought you were getting somewhere else, and oh, all of a sudden that Calgary deal looks a whole lot more attractive. It just feels like it feels like Kadri would like to go back to Colorado if the Avalanche can somehow make it work and if they can come to some sort of agreement where, you know, he may have to take less and significantly less to stay there, but if they can make it so that it's still somehow worth his while, it feels like he'd like to stay in Colorado where he just won the Stanley Cup. So that's going to be really interesting. And, and meanwhile, the Flames are in a really interesting spot in terms of where they go from here. And correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm just maybe I'm making this up, but didn't when when Kadri was in Toronto, wasn't there a deal in place, a tentatively a deal in place to go to Calgary, and then he nixed it, and then went to Colorado? 
Uh, did you ever, if that's true, did you ever get any details on, on what exactly happened there? So what happened there was, geez, that was, that was the summer of 2019. And in 2019, we, 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 we knew there was a trade in place with Calgary and Toronto, and Kadri was the principal piece coming back. Uh, I believe it was TJ Brody and Mark Jankowski, neither who are with the Flames anymore. They were pieces going to go to Toronto, and Nazem Kadri and I believe Connor Brown were going to come to Calgary. And, and that trade was confirmed and agreed upon by Kyle Dubas and Brad Living, the two general managers. But yes, Nazem Kadri had a no-trade list, and I don't remember how many teams were on it, but Calgary was, I believe every Canadian team, was on Kadri's no trade list and so they went to him with it and they said hey we have this trade and he said no and and he explained after the fact that he wanted to stay in Calgary it was not a um it was not a sorry he wanted to stay in Toronto it was not a I don't want to go to Calgary thing it was more of a I want to stay with the Maple Leafs I like what we're building here uh but then a few weeks later one of the teams that was not on Kadri's block list Colorado um, they, they ended up coming with an offer, and, and obviously he had to go once that trade was made. Uh, and it ended up working out pretty well for him. So, uh, yes, there, there was that trade, but I, I, don't think, I don't think that is a roadblock, honestly. I, I don't think that the fact that he turned down a deal to go to Calgary three years ago um, would mean that he wouldn't sign with the Flames. I just think that there are other places that he is interested in going. I do believe the Flames put a pretty significant and, and competitive offer on the table, but I, I think Colorado's the front runner and, and where he would like to return. And um, you know, I wonder a little bit about your town. I wonder if there's uh, more big game chasing being done by the Golden Knights. That, that certainly is interesting to me, knowing that Kadri has, has really shown that the Western Conference is perfect for his brand of hockey. So there's there's some interesting spots for him. I wouldn't rule completely Calgary out, but I would put it still in the in the unlikely category. Kadri uh, would be loved here. I mean, he would fit right in with the whatever this the culture is of Vegas. I mean, he would be uh, they'd be they'd sell a lot of jerseys with his name on it. Is this number correct? And I saw this on Twitter, so that means it's ninety nine percent correct. Nazem Kadri, seven years, nine and a half million. Is that is that a number you're hearing? That seems a lot to me. Uh, I didn't hear. I didn't hear what. Like I've I've seen that on Twitter. I've seen a few numbers that have been thrown around, all kind of in that ballpark, give or take uh, a couple hundred thousand or or a million dollars per or so. But I haven't heard myself what Calgary's offer was. I just know that they were an interested team and and one of the interested teams. And what's interesting is. We have uh, daily face-offs Frank Saravelli on every week, and, and he joined us on Wednesday and was just kind of outlining how Kadri's going about this. He's doing it really old school. Like, he, he is doing straight-up pitches. Like, hey, tell, give me the PowerPoint. Give me why I should sign with your team. Tell me, uh, tell me what you're offering to me and why I should take your offer. Why does your seven-year deal at this number, why should I take that over, you know, team wise seven year deal at that number with all they can offer and their tax advantages and all that type of stuff. And it's kind of the, uh, it's kind of the, the dirty secret of the NHL right now is there's kind of a, a tiered system and a, um, 
there's there's a a multi-tiered system. There's kind of like three tiers in the NHL, and there's the top tier of destinations that players want to go to, and, and for different reasons, right? There's New York City because it's New York City, and there's Los Angeles and SoCal because it's SoCal, and then you've got Vegas because it's Vegas, and then on top of that, Vegas is at the top of the list because of its advantageous tax situation and no That's state right. tax. And Nevada and Tennessee and Florida and Texas are all spots. It's like, okay, well, there's a Washington. There's there's no state tax. So all of a sudden, you're 8 to nine, $10 million. You end up pocketing a whole lot more than you would in New Jersey or you would in Quebec or you would in Ontario. So it's, it's – and, and then you've got the – the sex appeal of the market, you know, a place like Vegas or a place like New York or a place like Tampa or a place like uh, South Florida, you know, they rank high on the the sex appeal factor and a place like Buffalo or a place like, um, uh, I'll, 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 I'll do it. And it's mean, but it's true. Buffalo or Winnipeg or, uh, you know, spots like that don't. And then there's been this kind of thought that, and I think it's changing as restrictions are just kind of easing across across the Western world. But you know, there was a there was a stretch there where I don't think there were a lot of players wherever they were born, whatever their birth country was, that wanted to play in Canada for a little bit because you know the restrictions were a little bit more restrictive uh, north of the border. So uh, there's just been this tiered system, and and so. Calgary is a smaller market. It's uh, it's about the size population wise as Vegas is, but obviously doesn't have the um, doesn't have all of what Vegas has to offer. But it's about one point. We're about one point five million people, but it's a smaller US, a smaller market and a smaller Canadian market. So I think Calgary sometimes straddles that middle tier, bottom tier, depending on on the quality of the team in terms of. Um, where players are going to sign. Blake Coleman signed here last summer, but they had to give an extra year to ensure that was going to happen. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of those things. And so the Flames would probably have to, uh, spend more or, or offer a little bit more than a Vegas would to attract a player to come there. And it's, it's kind of one of the, the dirty secrets of the NHL that I think is getting more and more or, or becoming more and more a factor as as we move forward here well calgary has the stampede and the stampeders so that's a selling point as well you can go see some cfl football um the other thing i want to ask and that's interesting that you would say that pat because sometimes the perception is and at least from our standpoint is you know vegas is the team in the league that wears the black hat and that's fine. I think most people here will think, man, that's great. That That's second, really a, an honor to be wearing that uh, second to the Stanley Cup, maybe. Uh, you know, I, I think it's great if you're in a position where you're disliked because if you're disliked, that means you're doing something right to make you dislike. Nobody dislikes the Jacksonville Jaguars. So in your opinion, you still think – that as far as the list of destinations where where guys would love to go, and there's no doubt it's a terrific atmosphere here, you still think Vegas is on top of the list amongst the NHL teams or in, NHL in, players? Yeah, I, I, I think without question, Vegas is, is a top-tier destination to go to. Just, and, and look, do I think that the reputation has, has taken a hit in the last 12 months or so? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Marc Andre Fleury situation. I think the Evgeny Dadanov situation. Um, I, I do think that has 
I, I think it's been somewhat sobering because I think it is very clear, more so than and, – and to be perfectly honest with you, I have zero problem with it. Like – could it could it be um, could it be interpreted as wearing or or embracing wearing the black hat? Yeah, sure. But look, Bill Foley has given clearly given George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon two gentlemen that I I've got nothing but time for, and he has told them win me a Stanley Cup and win me a Stanley Cup right. at whatever the cost, That's right? right. Yep. And and. Every market in the NHL would love it if their owner would do that. And and honestly, there's only a few markets that have full-on sign-off from ownership like that. Tampa Bay has got that type of ownership. And Vegas has got that type of ownership. And there's three or four other teams that you can say without Toronto um, and, and probably a couple of others that you would say without question that team's ownership We'll say, win me a Stanley Cup and do whatever it takes, whatever monetary hit we've got to take, we're going to do it to win a Stanley Cup. And that's exactly what Bill, they've bought out players, they've gone into LTIR, they've like all of what the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights have done. It's all been for the singular task of winning a Stanley Cup. And, and it has come close, and they have been, what, three and four wins away. And, you know, they, they've been to Western Conference Finals, they've been to the one Stanley Cup final all this in, you know, half a decade of existence. And so I, I think that there's definitely um, a feel that, okay, th- this group is, is business first and winning first. And, you know, sometimes that'll get in the way of loyalty. But I still think with the tax advantages Nevada has, with the fact that living in Vegas is, especially if you're a multimillionaire yes. superstar athlete, yes. who the hell wouldn't want to spend a year or three or five living in Vegas, whether you're living on a condo off the Strip or whether you're living uh, in some of the awesome uh, places a little further away, which have just incredible amenities, all of what goes into being a well-off human being and, and living in, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Like, uh, sign me up. I do, it's my, it's my you know, top two or three place on the, on the planet for me that I'd like to live. So, so I, I still – and the team is really good. The, 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 the facility is incredible. The atmosphere is, you know, top one or two in the NHL. So all those things, winning, tax advantages, lifestyle, uh, and, and the, the building that you're playing in, I still think Vegas is an elite top-tier destination for, for players across the league. And I say this all the time to and my, my Dallas Cowboy friends, and I say, you, you know, I, you could say all you want about Jerry Jones, but at least you know one thing. That man is, yeah, he's passionate about making money, so is Bill Foley, but he is also passionate about winning, and that is one thing you could never, you can't say over the entire league that that owner is focused on winning and winning first. Uh, sometimes it's it's financially first, it's financials first, uh, winning second, or maybe even third. But the fact of the matter is I would rather have an owner that I know is desperate to win a cup and wants he's at the age where this is this is a bucket list thing he's made his money now he wants to win a cup and so you can say all you want about you know getting rid of Flurry or getting rid of Pacioretty. That is the price you ultimately had to pay to put yourself in a position to win a Stanley Cup and you were okay when they you know they brought in Max Pacioretty. you were okay when you know you made these moves to uh, to prop up your team but unfortunately if they did they didn't win a cup so now you got to pay the piper because there is a, a cap in in the NHL and you want to get under it 
I think it's just the understanding of, oh, this is the evolution of the sport. And guys that are making a lot of money are sometimes the first ones that get pointed to because they're the ones that are going to help your cap the most. For sure. And, I mean, even look at the trajectory of of what Vegas was doing prior to the pandemic. I mean, we were all expecting, um, prior to COVID changing everything, we were all expecting the salary cap to jump between 4 and $6 million per year. So if you're Kelly McCrimmon and you're making some of the moves he was making in 2019 going into 2020, um, you're, you're expecting to have more cap breathing room. So you're making deals based on that. And nobody saw a pandemic coming. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hits and the salary cap stays flat. And then it goes up $1 million. That's a significant difference in terms of the way you do your business. And I guarantee Krimmer would have done things very or or, or differently had he known that all of a sudden, nope, we're not going to go up in in large increments. It's going to be little tiny ones. I guarantee you things are are done differently, not just by by Kelly, but – but in, in different spots around the league that have found themselves in difficult cap situations. Hell, even here in Calgary, they probably would have structured things a little bit differently on their cap because, you know, it's, it's such a restrictive thing, COVID or non-COVID, but then all of a sudden a worldwide pandemic you know, changes industry across the world and your revenues take a massive hit. So thus your spending ability and your salary cap, which is tied to revenues, uh, takes a little bit of a hit as well and doesn't go up the same way you were anticipating it. I, I, I think like in 10 or 15 years, I would be fascinated if Kelly McCrimmon wrote a, a tell-all book about how everything transpired <laughs> yes. over a three- or four-year span there. Oh, man, that would be fantastic. We're talking to Pat, Pat Steinberg, uh, Flames radio host and host of Flames Talk on Sportsnet 960. Uh, just a couple more questions, Pat. You know, just going back to the Goudreau thing, he said yesterday that he enjoyed his time in Calgary. It was time for a change. His words to me seemed like there was something way more uh, that he wanted to get away from uh, rather than you know taking the money which obviously would be what about 15 and a half million more than what he'd be getting what he's getting in Columbus what, I mean is the part of you that is the reporter and wants to dig a little bit deeper I mean those words to me seem as if there's something else that he was desperate to get away from there is so there was so many things left unsaid about Johnny not returning to Calgary when he did his media avail yesterday with Columbus Media and, and obviously Calgary Media were, were dialed in and listening and um, here's here's what I know about the situation. So here we are, we're talking on Friday and on Tuesday was the last day the Flames had the ability to offer Johnny and his camp an eighth year on a max contract. So they they had offered an eight year deal with a nine and a half million dollar the, the exact same they, they offered him the Mark Stone deal in uh, going back like a month ago um, that was their initial pitch um, and and the initial pitch involved a lot of things but from a strictly monetary standpoint it was an eight year deal at nine and a half million dollars okay so they don't really hear anything is my understanding for the longest time which is good negotiating you know Lewis Gross says okay thank you we'll talk about it we'll get back to you and. They kept in contact, but there was no real, like, okay, this is what we like, this is what we don't like type thing. Um, And next thing you know, uh, it's Tuesday. And now there's 
uh, only one day left for the Flames to offer an eighth year. And so uh, finally, the Johnny Gaudreau camp, led by his agent, Louis Gross, uh, came to the table and, and put their ask on the table. Here is the ballpark we'd like to be playing in. And it was clearly different, the ballpark the Flames are playing in. And the Flames had upped their offer in the last few days. They upped their offer again on Tuesday. And, and honestly, they grinded away for a good portion of Tuesday of trying to get towards a number and a, and a deal that they could agree on and both sides would be okay with. And I think that they got there. In fact, I, I, I believe that like they were minutes away from pen on paper on dotted line on an eight-year deal at $10.5 million. And, and I think it could have moved if, if it would have kept Johnny in Calgary, but I think it was eight times 10 and a half and they were ready to go. And the next thing you know, from we're getting reports that this thing is close, get ready to Elliot Friedman, Johnny's going to free agency. And it's like, whoa, something happened. There was a, and, and so knowing that, and then knowing what he said yesterday and knowing what he had said prior about staying in Calgary and knowing what he had said about, you know, even, even yesterday about he's always, you know, there's always been a thought about playing closer to home. I guess for me, uh, there's a lot of mixed messages without question. There's a lot of having to read between the lines, which is never good because you're very rarely accurate in doing so. And it just, I think there was a lot on the table. And I honestly think Johnny was undecided until he made his final decision. And the two final decisions were not going back to Calgary and then final decision two was signing with the Blue Jackets. It just, there was, it it feels like there was so much at play and it feels like maybe he didn't exactly know what he wanted until it was all right there staring him in the face. And I think that the one area that Flames fans are most frustrated about is that, they feel like maybe there was a lack of honesty the entire time. And like, they, I, I think Flames fans feel that the Cadreau camp strung the Flames along and said, no, no, we're going to sign. We want to sign. Signing is the deal. That's the first priority. Let's get to a deal. And then all of a sudden the deal's done and they go in the, in the other direction. And the feel is maybe had Johnny been a little bit more forthright or had Johnny camp been a little more forthright, that would have been better and, and could have given the flames a little bit more runway to be able to change their off season plan. I think that is what flames fans are most frustrated about. And you know what, what Lewis gross did and what Johnny's camp did was negotiating one oh one. You go until the deadline, you let that deadline spur action and you get the best possible deal for your client. So I don't think they did anything wrong but if you're going to play it that way, then you have to be okay with some of the vitriol and, and some of like the death threats are stupid and the threatening the family and the, and going after the family. That's ridiculous. But, you know, to be upset at the player and to be frustrated with the way that he played it and to feel kind of jilted or betrayed, that goes along with the territory. If you're going to play it the way the Gaudreau camp played it, then you have to be okay with some of the fallout from from the faithful in, in the city that you last played in. Well, Pat, we always appreciate your time. Always insightful. Can't wait for the season where we can just start talking about games, and we appreciate your time. Hey, no problem. Appreciate being on. Be well. Uh, also, say hi to Oscar Dansk for us. I will indeed. <laughs> All right, there he goes. Pat Steinberg, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Chuck Esposito from Station Casinos will join us. Yeah. 
STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino or Wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HD TVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous steak bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter. Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights super fans for the Terribles game day giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree. Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles game day giveaway. It's only at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HD TVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at at any station, casino, or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Hi, welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline, brought to you by... Station Casinos and the STN app from the Brian Blessing Studio. This music is for our next guest. 
It's been a while since we talked to uh, to to him, but we're always happy to have him uh, from Station Casinos and the gatekeeper of the STN app. Let's welcome in Chuck Esposito. And Chuck, so much to catch up with you on. Uh, do you like the intro music? This is just for you. I loved it, guys. I mean, it was it was great. I mean, I'm afraid I'm not going to hear it a whole lot next season. Not sure how many uh, how many pucks we put in the back of the net if you're a Blackhawks fan. But hey, you know, I still love hearing it. Talk about. I mean, of course, you just got back and free agency. Uh, just you know, it basically turned the league upside down. What were you looking at? What were some of the bigger moves as far as the futures are concerned and whether it's up or down on your board? I, I really thought Carolina, uh, Detroit, um, Columbus, Edmonton all did really well with, um, with the moves that they made. Um, of course, you know, with Calgary losing um, Johnny Hockey, you, you had to move them up. I think the fact that Philadelphia didn't land him or Jersey, um, and I think with Toronto, with uh, the goaltending change there, um, as well, I think losing Campbell hurt them. So we've moved a, a number of teams up and down. Uh, Chicago, I mean, just, you know, raised their odds dramatically um, based on what happened. Um, but there's been a lot of movement. Um, you know, Calgary went up, Chicago went up, um, uh, Toronto went up a little bit. And then, as I mentioned, Edmonton, uh, Columbus, Detroit, um, Carolina definitely went down a little bit. So Hockey's always fun, guys. There's a huge turn turnover. Usually you see about a 50% turnover in playoff teams, and uh, maybe we see that again this year. But uh, um, And I think the Knights, too, Dan. I'm sorry. We did raise the Knights as well. I think losing, um, you know, Pacioretty, uh, you lose a, a big part of your, your scoring. David off, David off there, too. Um, this is a Knights team that I think has some major question marks. Um, you know, we, we know that uh, Leonard might not be back till October, November, or later. Um, they, they lose a big piece of scoring. Health is a big part of it, but you look at what they've given up the last couple of years um, and what the return has been. Uh, this isn't a great job by the front office uh, of managing their assets. So only time will tell, and I think Bruce Cassidy's going to have his hands full there, but it, this this Knights team, I think, has a lot of question marks going into the offseason. Well, I think the one thing that's kind of gone on under the radar, Chuck, is the signing of Michael Hutchinson, who's a, a veteran goaltender that not many people are talking about. But to me, that is a move that says Robin Leonard's not going to be 100%. Oh, I mean, we already know that, Dana. And, you know, I, I know that, um, you know, they have a couple of other goaltenders in, in the fold. and um, But... Uh, uh, but I just think it's a different team now. I, I think what you looked at, this really needs to become Jack Eichel's team. Um, he's got to take this team on, on its back. He's the, the young stud there. He's you know hopefully going to be there for the next 10 years. This needs to become Jack Eichel's team um, from day one. And, and that, to me, is going to be the transition with that team and how they respond to that and, and where they go. They have to stay healthy. We know that. But... Carlson, Marsha Sean, Stone, you need these guys to have Riley Smith now that he's back. You, you need these guys to have good years and bounce back years. But this needs to be Jack Eichel's team. He needs to lead both on and off the ice. And only time will tell if he can do that or not. I mean, once you agree, it, it, talking about bounce back, the, the success of this team moving forward might just trickle down to William Carlson trying to find some of that early success in his time here in Vegas. If he can find a glimpse of that, 
that will really help this team. For for what they're paying him, absolutely. Yes. I mean, yes. you know, uh, uh, it was funny, but some people who are like sort of hockey novices a little bit, you know, over the last day or so, said to me, "Why would they trade Pacioretty? Why, you know, why wouldn't they trade Carlson if they had to trade somebody?" I'm like, "Well, Pacioretty was the asset people wanted. Um, Carlson has the talent. He's got the skill. He can be dynamic. We saw some of those uh, those you know moves the first couple of years. But you're right. We need you know Wild Bill to be Wild Bill. We need that determination, that motivation, that same guy that was a misfit here. Um, you know when we first started it." But uh, um, you, we're going to need that bad. I mean, it's just a different team now with the loss of, you know, guys like, like Tuck, too, and, and Krebs and Suzuki and some of the young players that were going to be the faces and the future of this team. Uh, it was almost a curse a little bit that they had so much success year one. A lot of people would probably disagree with me, but I think the early success changed the entire direction of what an expansion team would be. You see Seattle now in the second year and the approach that they're taking. By year three, four, and five, this Seattle team will have built through their system with a ton of assets, a ton of kids that have come up, and, and select free agents. VGK did the exact opposite, and we all got spoiled by that. And now you've seen the trade of Flurry, the trade of Pacioretty, two different, you know, two coaching changes. I think this is showing Vegas. You are now an official hockey town, and guess what, guys? It is a business, um, and that's, that's what the way the approach is right now. So I think only time will tell, guys. But their odds for the first time that I can remember prior to the start of a season has actually gone up and not down. And you cannot have, and going back to Carlson, this cannot be a season of 35 points again. You have to be in that 20 to 25 goal range. And I'm not talking, you know, 40, 35 again like he had in 17, 18. You have to be in that 50 point range at least because regardless, and anybody who knows this, I mean, the reason why Pacioretty left is because of term, age, ability to stay healthy. They were still going to hang on to Willem Carlson over Pacioretty. And, of course, Pacioretty, like you said, was the the, the asset that was uh, shined a little bit brighter than just William Carlson. I mean, nobody was going to take on his term at that price for a guy that has 35 points. Right, not for the length of time. And, and Pacioretty, I mean, everything you said is, is true, but, I mean, he is an elite scorer. I mean, you could put Pacioretty up there, I think, with the top ten scorers in the league when he's healthy. I mean, he's a sniper. He, he's camped out, um, you know, to, to get the garbage, to make sure he's getting his shot off. Um, he's an elite scorer, and that's going to be tough to, to, to overtake. Uh, again, I go back to the fact, Dana, that they brought in all these guys. If it was Pertangelo, if it was Pacioretty, if it was Stone, Eichel, all these guys that were captains um, of their previous team. I think you need somebody to really be that, that voice, to, to grab the bull by the horns, be that guy on and off the ice, and and. and, and Bring this team to the next level. I think they're, you know, with with the with up against the cap the way they are, the length of a lot of these contracts. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's a window that's more than halfway closed. I mean, they would have been in the league five years, but you look at that window and it's it's getting ready to slam. So they need to do something. They need to do something pretty quickly, in my opinion. And you still have them 
on the STN app, and the, and the current odds is 12-1 to 1 on, on the Knights, but that's still good enough for second in the Western Conference. So there has to be some optimism on your side of the counter that, hey, look, this is still a team that can make a lot of noise in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, if they're healthy, I, I think they absolutely can. Um, but, you know, they're, they're really tied with the Oilers. The Oilers are also um, at 12 there. And then you've got a host of teams kind of right after that. Um, I, I think you look at the difference in what their odds and what the Avalanche's odds are, um, that there, there's a huge difference between the two. There's a lot more separation than there was, say, last year or the prior year going into the start of the season. Um, but health is the key for the Knights. I mean, they're going to need uh, the goalie tandem to really step up. And they need to stay healthy. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I know that there's still rumblings that, that Stone isn't 100% and ankles are still really bad. And, you know, where will, where will he be? We saw him really slow down a lot last year. Um, so there's a lot of question marks there. And um, I suspect you're going to see the Knights even higher maybe by the time the, the season starts with some of the moves that some of these other teams have made. And I thought – and I don't know how you felt about this, but any time I hear, and I've been watching sports and know about injuries you know, for a long time, any time you talk about back injuries and uh, surgery to your back, and I understand there's different degrees of surgery, but boy, that is – and then you come out and Kelly McCrimmon comes out and says, yeah, he'll be ready for camp. I mean, that's something to me that, like, wow, because I don't share that optimism when you're talking about the back. No, I, I don't either. I mean, we know that this team had more than their fair share of injuries last year. Um, they, they missed more time. Their, their uh, you know, top six forwards than any team in the league did. Um, and, you know, you can use that as an excuse somewhat. It wasn't enough of an excuse for DeBoer that they still felt they needed a new voice. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they weren't good on the, on the, um, uh, uh, on the power play. They, they need to get really good in that and better in that. They need to use um, T-Mobile. Um, this is the first year that I can remember that it wasn't that overwhelming home ice advantage. Um, they need to get that working in their favor again. They need to stay healthy. They need a lot of guys to kind of step up and have a, have a resurgence. But from a talent side of it, they're definitely good enough. Um, it's just can they put it all together. And, again, for me, um, I think you look at, you know, Eichel, the time of the draft with McDavid, we know McDavid was a generational talent, but they were also calling Eichel that, that he was right behind. He was the American kid. Um, I think he's got the talent and the skill um, to be that guy. But he, it, 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 for me, and I'm not sure you agree or not, but this needs to become Jack Eichel's team from day one. Uh, there's no doubt about it. So what is a reasonable – I mean, I don't want to go crazy and say 90 to 100 points, but I still think Eichel needs to be in that 70 to 80 range. I, I mean, is that fair as far as, as far as you're concerned? I, I think it's fair, but I was going to say 90 or above. Yeah, I, um, I, I think I want to go it, crazy. If you're elite – if you're elite, and, and you know you you were compared to McDavid in that draft, and I know that's that's not fair necessarily, and you know we've seen other guys come into the league too that if it's Capo or Lafonier, and you know you 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 wait for them to to become elite. But Eichel has all the tools to be elite, and I think on this team for the money invested and for what you have around him, and you're the the young guy who's going to be the face now for me for the next decade. It's going to be Jack Eichel. I think it's 90 or above, and I think if that happens, um, this Knights team is going to be in a good spot. He scores 70 or below 
Um, I think it's going to be a long season. Yeah, and that's not an unreasonable expectation. I just put it at 80 or 90 because he's, yeah. you know, 75, 85 just because he's never touched 90 before, and I understand. I think it has to be top end. And don't forget, he's probably on a, you know, he's on a better surrounding cast of course. than he had in Buffalo. Um, so I think that should play into it as well, that you've got guys like Stone and Riley Smith and, and Carlson and Marshy and Patangelo, you know, Shea uh, Theodore. You have a better cast around you. The West plays a much more wide-open style. So I, I personally expect that 90-plus that range for him this year, and, and I really think that that elevates everything. But he's the key. In my opinion, it is Jack Eichel's team, and, and he's the key to taking this to the next level. We're talking to Chuck Esposito, Sportsbook Director for Station Casinos. And, Chuck, uh, let's get into it. I, I know you're a Blackhawk fan. Uh, I know that people were laughing when I suggested that the Brinkett would not be part of the team, but there he goes. And But but can you not see, and, and this is maybe in my opinion, as much as it's going to sting next year, this is a team that will reload for a year or two. They're going to have a ton of cap space. They have five first-rounders in the next three years, 14 selections in the next three rounds over the next three years. I mean, can you see them setting the ground for the next Chicago Blackhawk dynasty? I can. I mean, maybe dynasty is a strong word, Dana, but I can and I understand it. I mean, it, it's hard when you talk about Debrinket, you know, being uh, only 24 and, you know, twice has scored 40 goals. But it's by the time that they're relevant and they're going to be paying him, you know, he, he's looking for that new deal. And I, I suspect that he, you know, I'm surprised Ottawa didn't lock him up. For a long time, I think that still will happen there. Um, but being able to draft, you know, have three number ones when when they had none. They, as you mentioned, five in the first, uh, you know, two rounds over the next three years. My guess is that's going to increase. Um, next year's draft is is being called one of the the deepest ever. Yes. With um, you know, Bedard at top. And the Hawks are going to be, I would guess, in that sweepstakes as well. There's also the kid, you know, the Russian kid, and I, I believe there's two more elite players. So, um, and, and you're right, the, the salaries of Kane and Taze, if they are dealt, that's 21 million that comes off the books. So they're going to have a lot of money, and I think they saw. Um, you know, the, the difference in, in the playoffs this year, the speed of the game that Colorado played for. And with, with their draft picks, especially a guy like Frank Nazar, um, the speed that he plays with, you know, if they're fortunate enough to get Bedard, I mean, I think Bedard and, and, um, and Nazar would be their next Kane and Taze. I mean, I know I'm kind of wishful thinking at this point, but, but I can see, you know, the vision there. And, and it was just watching, you know, uh, Enzo on TV and kind of about the Kirby Doc trade. I thought he made a really good point, and it's about all teams. He said, you know, many times if, if a kid in any sport hasn't, quick, hasn't developed to what you think he is, you continue to throw bad money after bad money. But I think the key was here, and not saying Kirby Doc won't become a superstar or become a top four guy. It's that do, this, this new regime was not married to Kirby Doc. Um, so I think that's why they traded him. And the fact that they were able to get, you know, uh, two draft picks for him, I thought they actually got more in return for him than they did in, for Zerbrinkit. Uh, for um, sure. So, and yeah. they got the, the two number ones for the Hagel deal as well. So I think they've positioned themselves well. They've retooled their, you know, uh, uh, the minors in a, in a hurry. Their organization now has a bunch of kids. But it's going to be a long two or three years or more um, if you're a Hawks fan. And like I said during the intro, 
I'm just not sure how much I hear Chelsea Dagger next year, but uh, I'll probably cherish uh, the moments that I do. Hey, Kane and Taves, of course, are probably the next uh, order of business in Chicago. And is this a situation where do you feel like that's going to be a trade deadline deal? I mean, there's not, I don't know what the market is. And both of those guys are represented by the same agent, Pat Persson. So I wondered. You know, is this going to be a more? Are they going to be more attractive to a cup contender at the trade deadline rather than trying to unload ten and a half million now? I think so, Dana. Not only do they share the same agent, so does Seth Jones. That's right. Um, he has, you know, these these three guys have full no trades. It wouldn't surprise me to see all three go at the deadline. Um, I think based on what's happened now with the draft already passed and free agency, you know, outside of. Um, you know, maybe one or two guys, the key guys already kind of have moved in free agency. I think it does become a, uh, a, a trade deadline thing where the, where the Hawks are active and they're able to stockpile even more, you know, number ones, and maybe they get a prospect or two. Um, so I think it's clearly an opportunity then to deal these guys, especially Kane and Taze, uh, to teams that are, that are battling for a cup. And then, you know, and the Hawks maybe retain some of that salary because uh, it would just be for a half a year. Um, they have a clean slate at the end of the year, and then Kane and Taze can kind of make their decisions, you know, what's best for them. But, but I think they both are still on the team day one, but I do think that all three are in play at the trade deadline. Uh, Chuck, it's always great to have you on. I lost track of time. I was just talking with you. And we're, next week we get back to that normal schedule of uh, Monday and Friday. But I hope you have a great weekend. Everybody get out to Red Rock. Uh, download the STN app. And I hope you have a great weekend, Chuck. Thanks, Dana. You too. I always, always enjoy jumping on with you and love chatting some hockey. All right, there he goes, Chuck Esposito from Station Casinos. We want to uh, thank Rick Vallada from the RJ, Pat Steinberg from the Flames, and, of course, Chuck once again and STN for making this show possible. For Justin Chuck, I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good.